Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Red Rover, Red Rover, we call Nadim over. That's cute. Okay. You would not be able to pass me. I was so good at, at Red, Red Rover. Rover. Yeah. Okay. Like I was. But it's not just you, right? Like it's contingent on the other person as well. People would avoid me in the line. Like they oh. would never run towards me because they knew I my arm would just tackle you down. Okay. I was not letting you get past. Get that. over. You were joining our team. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mita. That's impressive. There you go. I yeah. like it. I like it. Did you ever play Red Rover? Yeah, of course. I don't have a specific memory of it or a specific memory of being good or bad, though. Just that it was played. There. Full stop, period. I mean, it was such a long time ago for you, so. It, like, 30 (laughs) years probably, so I mean, like, it's been a while. Yeah. Mita, how's it going? I am here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm here, too. Are you here? I'm present. Look at us showing up. Yeah. (laughs) That's all we can ask for. I had a weird day, actually. I kept on getting signs from the universe. Oh. Just, like, very existential signs, either in, like, songs playing or people posting things on Instagram about, like, cathartic things and, like, Mm -hmm. existential things and, like, multiple things, life things. And it was just a very, like, weird day of, you know, there's this Bollywood song from Kalhona, or the title song, and there's a line where he says... Um, that thing that you want the most with your heart is never something you get. And it's mm-hmm. such a, I remember hearing, this is from like 2000, so it's like 22 years old. And I heard it then and you're like, oh, what a nice line. And I heard it today for the first time in like eons. And I literally just sat in my car and I was just like, oh, that hits. It hits hard. <laughs> I think right now. I cry for you. <laughs> <laughs> it hit hard. It hits hard. It's a really like realization that that's just how it is so i'm in a bit of a i'm not gonna lie i'm in a bit of a downy mode funk a little funkish but um down funk you up up down funk you up and possibly the reason i'm funking it is also because i've been watching the staircase (gasps) have you been i have not been watching it i got i got two episodes in but i just haven't had the time to catch up with the rest of it but i I was enjoying it. Yeah, I'm actually quite enjoying it. I think it's yeah. very well done, actually. And the cast is stacked. Yeah. I was worried about Tony Collette playing Kathleen Peterson. Yeah. Or like what they were going to do with her. Yeah, because I was, when I saw that news, I was like, why would they choose the character who's dead? Like, what, yeah. what are they going with that? But they are giving you an introspect of their relationship outside of past her murder. So Yeah, she's more than a victim kind of thing. Yeah. And so they're doing a really good job of that with that. And then it's also really interesting to see them like play out the scenes that you have seen in the yeah. documentary. I enjoyed that. And, I and how similar like, a lot of the side characters look to the real people. Yes. The Sophie hair. Turner. Yeah. The, <laughs> and the other sister, the one with the glasses and the like stringy yeah. hair. I'm like, you look exactly like the actual person. They did a good job with yeah. a lot of the casting. I really like the Parker Posey casting for Frida. Frida, yeah. Frida, yeah. That was really good. But I also kind of like just the nostalgia of it, if that makes sense. Like when they mentioned Nortel. Yeah. We are both children of Nortel Nortel, employees. And 
if you were a child of Nortel, like, you know what's up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know how great those Christmas parties were and, like, the summer carnival. The summer, summer and, carnival. Yeah. Like, back and, in the, like, 90s where the summer carnival, like, my dad used to tell our, like, close family friends from the community and would bring, like, 20 people because it was, like, amazing. It was the best. It yeah. was so much fun. I miss that. I miss that, too. Yeah. I'm actually really impressed with how... Colin Firth is playing out Michael Peterson. Yes. But I'm really interested to see how they progress it because I can't decide where the makers are landing on it. And I think that's actually really great. I think in terms of evidence and what they're showing, they're showing innocence. But in terms of his character, he's actually very unlikable. But Michael Peterson as a person... Was unlikable. Is, ...is extremely unlikable. Yeah. And I think that is what swayed so many people to like be against him mm-hmm. like not just a jury but when you people in the true crime world talk about the staircase there's it's very divisive and there's a lot of people who are just like he did it there's no way he didn't do it and like i've always thought like i actually don't see any proof that shows he did it he did it yeah. like i don't think there's any and like so you have people who are like well where's the actual evidence and then you have people who are just like i don't like him so i, yeah. I think he did it and so, like, that makes sense to me. I'm glad they kept that, though, and they're not sort of pampering to one side, at least. No. Yeah. And I think in but episode... Have you see have you seen what Michael Peterson has written about... Oh, this? About it? No, what did he say? He was just saying, like, I've lived this in my life. There's no need for me to watch this on television when you've lived great pain like that. Like, he was speaking. <laughs> like, on. how he speaks. Yeah. Oh, and was so just being obnoxious. so, like, so much gravitas and what he's talking about, but, like, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just being Michael Peterson, saying that it was not necessary for him to watch The Staircase. Sure. And, like, I get that. I get that, like, this was your life. And, like, you made a documentary about it as well that you probably watched. And, like, so... And you you get your point that you claim you didn't kill her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's the eventual verdict on it. I do think it's also very interesting how they paint. And the documentary did a good job of this as well, Mm -hmm. of trying to show how him being bisexual was essentially what villainized him. Yeah. And, like how unfair that really is yeah because it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with you have anything no proof whatsoever that that's what led to yeah. her death you it's just an made assumption yeah that he was yeah. into men and that it was <laughs> this was a line from sex in the city that it's a pit stop on the way to gayville, gayville. <laughs> it's not it's not okay. no one thinks that here on no this podcast <laughs> bisexuality is definitely on the spectrum of sexual preferences thank you very there much you thank, for attending thank this you. ted talk I don't want Nadine to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but as I just, oh, I think, I think everybody could rest easy if we did know if she knew or not. But oh, look, if I had one true crime that I wanted to know. Yeah, this is it? It's the it's serial. Oh, it's serial. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a staircase. No, it's serial. <laughs> because this, yeah. this, when I look at the evidence, I think the owl did it. I think it's the theory that actually... Truly makes the most sense. And it's one of those weird things where it's just like, I think I this think could actually fell. happen. I think that's all that it I was. I think either she fell or it was the owl that caused her to fall. Yeah. I don't think an owl converted her. I do think that like it was the thing that maybe caused her to fall and yeah. have such dramatic lacerations on her head. But then to the other point, how 
how what are coincidences real that this woman in Germany falls? Yes, yes. Right, the woman in Germany is a real question mark. It's a real question. Real question mark. And then how stupid do you have to be to kill someone the same way twice? Someone the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that brings it. But the thing is, I'm more certain about the fact that Michael Peterson didn't do it, but. Adnan Sayed. I want to know that what I, happened. I think there. we will. I think we will get to the bottom of that in the you next. Do? In the next ten years, I think we will know. Because of DNA but, testing. I think um, the DNA testing that's going to be occurring. Yeah. Because I think that'll help narrow down some things. That will, at the very least, narrow. Hopefully, that he was not involved Present, at yeah. all. Um, or what like if that his DNA? It is there though. Then Robbie has got some explaining to do. <laughs> I. I, I, I think he knows something. He knows but something. Can't say, maybe he has told certain people, but for his own protection, he has not spoken out about it. And so I think maybe that's why he's been able to have these legal forces kind of work with him in solving it. Yeah, I, yeah. I am, I agree with you. I don't think he did it. He knows yeah. what happened though, and he's taking the hit because the alternative is actually bigger. So I think he might have been dealing drugs. She might have been killed by, like, a drug dealer. And then they said, you say anything and we'll come for your family kind of thing. The other side of that, though, is that now it's been how many years? There's been an an extremely popular podcast about this case. The original podcast. Yeah. Like, would he even have allowed the podcast to come out if he was being threatened by... That's very true. Right? Very true. I don't know. I think there's some... There's more to the story and we just don't know it. I don't think it's dawn though as much as people want to believe it is dawn but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that puts it to dawn right to dawn yeah the well the lens crafter the lens crafter thing is big yeah mm-hmm. got his mom to cover for him mm. but meet that this is a true crime this is not a true crime podcast but i'm totally down to do one if you want yeah we'll see <laughs> season seven yeah <laughs> but this season and yes. episode bonus episode number four we oui, watched oui. Mita's choice, which yes. was now and then. Now and then. Yes. Let me give you a quick IMDb disco of now and then, mm-hmm. and then Mita will talk to us about her choices. Okay. Four 12 year old girls grew up together during an eventful small town summer in 1970. That's it? Okay. Yeah, that's the disco that's for the now disco. and then. Yeah. I think the better disco would be explaining that. You do see the now and you do see the then. Um, the now is 1995 and the yes. then was the 1970s. 1970s yeah. And so um, you see these four girls come together in present day. And one girl specifically is just reminiscing about their time in that one summer in 1970. But why did I choose yeah, this? Yeah, talk to Would me, you like to know? This was on my like my makeshift list when I was trying to figure out what... The long what, list. Yes, the long list. And uh, it, at the time, it wasn't really available anywhere. Like, you couldn't oh, find it okay. on any streaming or renting. And then finally, You couldn't even like, rent it? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I can't really do that because yeah. it's really hard to find. And so I took it off the list. And then I also thought that you might have seen it at no. some point. But then when we were going over my, my long list... During the Demitas, you had said you'd never seen Now and Then. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is time. Because it was 
very much a movie we watched a lot when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like it was something we would always rent from video flicks and like had a very lasting impression on me. But oh, I right. hadn't watched it as an adult. Like it's been, I've seen it like on TV a lot and like would have it in the background maybe. Like sometimes it's on W, it. but I hadn't sat down to watch it and like actually process it. Okay. So I thought, why not process now and then? But the other thing that I also thought about and it okay. popped into my mind was that you were our for our bonus episodes. We wanted to pick movies that we're not going to be talking about yeah. for the next two years. And so you have picked foreign films for, for this. And mm-hmm. I picked Spy Kids, which is definitely like not. Academy Award nominated film and with Now and Then when I told you we were going to watch this you said this is very female heavy and it is this is uh, written by a woman it's directed by a woman and it stars four women Uh and and four young girls and so we're not going to be seeing a lot of movies with women in the next or like women led yeah yeah and so I thought okay like this is also kind of fitting with what our next season is going to be but yeah Okay. I can I tell you what I think you're gonna yes, think? Yes, please. I don't think you enjoyed this at all. <laughs> okay. I don't. I think you're you're gonna be nice to me, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, I could see like why you like the nostalgia," but I don't think you enjoyed any piece of this whatsoever. I would say you're semi right. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there has ever been a movie made that has been. So irrelevant to my life. <laughs> like, I am the last audience for this movie. You really are. And not just a me as a moviegoer, me, Nadim, South Asian Muslim men. I think men in general, gay, straight, whatever, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Men in general, this is just not at all for you. Gay men love this. I think gay men love it. Do they? Yes, it has Rosie O'Donnell, it has sure. Melanie Griffith, it has Demi Moore, it has like 1970s retro fashion. Okay, sure. Yes, I think gay men understand the power of now and then. Okay, yeah. sure. I could understand the power of it. Mm-hmm. And this, these are my, these are my thoughts. Watching it, I will say, I don't think this is a good movie. I don't think it's very well made. I think it's poorly written. However, I think what it stands for and probably what it represents for young women specifically is actually really important. Because I think what it has to, what it probably communicates to women, young women who are probably like, let's say 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a movie do that. And I think that's actually really important, regardless of whether it's good or not. I don't think, I think for young girls to be able to see themselves and have their experiences and experiences about like your body changing and about sex and about female friendships and things like that, I think that's really important and I cannot name a single movie and maybe because I'm not the target audience, but I cannot name a single movie that does it other than this. So I think that's an important film and I think it's a really Mm -hmm. relevant film in the world. I just don't think it's very good. I also don't think it's meant for me at all. Like, at all. I'm so glad I made you watch it. I will then. also say this. I yeah. also don't think it's meant for you, though, anymore. So, what I will say is this. I, in this viewing experience, I did realize, like, this isn't a good movie. Like, I, I know yeah. that. 
But like you're saying, there aren't movies like this. And I think my biggest takeaway is like when we watch coming of age stories, when we see these movies, it's usually all about boys. It's like Stand By Me, Goonies, like boys going through these experiencing and what it's like to be a boy. And there are few, even heavyweights is very boy heavy. <laughs> um, yes. And there are few and far between movies about girls and what they're, what growing up as a girl is yeah there there is very little representation and so while i was watching it i was like this movie has no plot this movie has no plot like to speak of it's yeah i mean it's not as bad as funny face like <laughs> there's a little bit of stuff in there. <laughs> yeah but i was watching it and thinking like there's no stakes here there's yeah. no like and and there's opportunity like and yeah. one point at one point one of the characters, Roberta, like fakes her death. And as I was watching it, I was like, how much better of a movie would this be if Roberta did actually like die? If she did yeah. drown and they couldn't save her. And then they all had to like yeah. figure out how do you deal with your friend's, friend's death. death. And yeah. then as I was thinking that, I was like, oh, there is a movie that has like stakes like this and talks about what it's like to be a girl. And it's my girl. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. True. I break down just thinking about her at that funeral scene when she's like he needs his glasses Mita needs a minute it's okay yeah it's really sad <laughs> because he was trying to help her and he, he got stung by the bees yeah yeah but that's an interesting point because what I was actually mm -hmm. going to say is that stand by me while about the young like male adolescence experience is still more accessible I think to the female audience I will say, though, My Girl is a great example that is accessible to a male audience. Yes, I think My Girl does it. Now yeah. and Then doesn't really do now it. Now and Then doesn't do it. But even though I know it's a bad movie and, like, has no plot really to it, and even the direction, like, isn't that great, mm -hmm. <laughs> I still really enjoyed watching it. <laughs> For the nostalgic it factor? For the nostalgia factor. And, like, there's, there's elements of this movie that are really fun to watch, and I my favorite part is always the actual like now and then and, and the actresses that were hired for these roles. Like I think okay. the casting in this movie is always really compelling to me. Like I love see I love watching young Thora Birch have like elements of Melanie Griffin. Yeah. And like and same things with Christina Ricci. Like Christina Ricci is so good in this. Yeah. And her and yeah. Rosie O'Donnell is like a perfect It makes sense. It makes complete sense, yeah. And and Gabby Hoffman is really good yeah. in this too. And that makes sense like, with um, Demi Moore. And I think when I was a kid, the ch child actors in this played into the, my my urge to be a, a child actor yeah. myself. I yeah. think I was just like, oh, I could do what they're doing. <laughs> did you know the girl that played Chrissy died? Oh, she did. She died in real life. Oh, yeah, wow. I don't know how, but like she died young. Oh, that's yeah, sad. so they can't. They can't do now and then now. But there, there is an aspect of like, oh, let's take these four well-known Hollywood actresses and let's find their like child look actor yeah. lookalikes and like let's show that on screen. And what and as I was watching, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just like um, Yellow Jackets. Like that's part of what I love about Yellow Jackets is the now yeah. and the then and taking these like heavy hitters like Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis, and then seeing what their, like, younger versions are. Yeah. And I think the movie, like, the casting in this is actually really well done and very underappreciated. 
I will say, though, that Yellow Jackets actually accomplishes what I think now and then it sets out, sets to, out do. to do. Because mm-hmm. the now portions are so irrelevant. It's really just like, it feels very much as an almost an excuse to just have these four headliners on a poster and their names because mm-hmm. their screen time it's like 20 minutes of screen time they're they're not really there and yeah. i think it was just like an easy paycheck for them and there's no relevance like there's no understanding of what then did to now right and even like at the end like demi moore is the narrator of yeah. this movie she plays the character of sam and gabby hoffman is her younger version and she is the more like astute one in terms of like the four friends yeah. and like she's arguably the main character yes and at the end of the movie she has this whole line about like finally realizing something like an older man had told her when she was younger yeah. about life and it's just like, but that's not what you, the movie was about at all. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like talking about how she can't go through personal relationships because of how messed up she is. And like her parents, a divorce probably still affects her to this day and yeah. like weird things, which I get. But you did not do a good enough job in this movie to like get us to that point. You don't get to have a conversation <laughs> and some, somehow like explain. You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. It's such piss poor like writing. It's to be so like, bad. We have this entire buildup and you'd have sit down in a conversation and be like, yeah, that divorce really affected me. Like, come on. But then, Nadim, I looked up who wrote this movie. Yeah, I did too. Because <laughs> I and... was really like, who wrote this movie? I was really hopeful it was a woman, to be quite honest. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think if a man did this, there's, because there's other issues with the movie. But the filmography of this writer is quite illustrious. <laughs> It is written by I'm Arlene King. And if you were like me, in 2010, you were captivated by a show titled Pretty Little Liars. And I'm Arlene King was the um, showrunner and like creator. creator for the Pretty Little Liars TV show. She didn't write the books that no. the story was based off. But she is the creator of this, sh- this show. This show that makes no sense <laughs> whatsoever. She claims that she knew what she wanted to do from the start of the show, but she really didn't. There are so many plot holes in the Pretty Little Liar universe, but there is something still so compelling about Pretty Little Liars that I have watched every single episode. Have you? And I... I Oh, I was like deep into Pretty Little Liars. I needed to know what was going on. I watched till the end. Did you? I, at one point would have like parties with friends on the oh, weekend. Oh, wow. Mita. When, the, when the, the season finale for the first season came out, because they split it up in two. So there was like part A of season one and part B of season two. Was that two because one... of A? No. That was just because like that's how they wanted to like get more ratings, but yeah. still give people a break at the time. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Um, but like when part B of season one came out like i remember being at my friend's house and we were just like we, we needed to know who a was like we were like obsessed and eventually i grew with the show and i was just like i don't even care anymore i just want this thing to be over <laughs> but i can't stop watching yeah. there is something compelling and i and as soon as i saw that that she wrote this i was like this makes so much sense <laughs> because of how poorly they are both written they are poorly written, but there is something about Compelling. them that I am attracted to. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. What do you think of I, Marlene King? <laughs> I think she 
is really lucky she's in show business because yeah. she has no talent. I think it's great that she's got a job and that someone is producing this stuff. But like, I think with now and then, this really feels like a lost opportunity. And I think the thing that really gets to me is that there are nuggets, because I was really disinterested in this movie, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. because it was just, it was not retaining me. But the things that caught my attention were the little conversations these four girls were having about things like their bodies changing and sex and like, like what boobs look like and things like that. And not because yeah. I'm some perv, but no, because, because like it's not things it that are felt talked fresh. About. Yeah. Yeah. It felt fresh. It felt unique. I felt like I was watching conversations that four young girls would see. And I was just like, Oh, this is actually interesting and relevant to the type of movie you're making. I just wish you had, wrapped a story around this right like there's something more there's something there like it's kind of like the the wonder years tv show of yeah. like what was it like? like i think my one of my favorite scenes is chrissy talking with her mom played by bonnie hunt and when her mom is trying to explain like how sex, sex works yeah. and she's using gardening metaphors yeah. to explain what like that is one of my favorite scenes and like sticks out to me all the time because like that is totally what a young girl's conversation would have been like in the 1970s and like their mom being scared to actually explain what happens and then the fact that Chrissy takes that into her conversations with her friends yeah when she's like what do you mean you have to water the flower so that you can plant the seed and they're all just like what is she teaching you (laughs) the one thing I did want to ask though is these 12-year-old girls are having some pretty frank discussions about sex. <laughs> which I appreciate because there's a strong chance that, especially in the 70s, they weren't. Yeah. However, to capture this on film in the mid-90s, there's a scene where Thora Birch says, like, her boobs haven't come in, and she fills her shirt, and she's just With like... Pudding. She says something about how, like, that's what men like. Yeah. There's some comments and some things said in here that I'm like, a, could this get made today in the same fashion that it was? And B, was it not, is it inappropriate? And I'm, I can't put my button on that right now. Um, have you watched Never Have I Ever? Yeah. There's like conversations that Davy has about like w- lusting over a guy and like She's wanting like to have seven, sex with 16, a guy. 17 though, right? Oh yeah, that's true. They're 12. They're 12. Like, oh, that's interesting. Davy's in high school where the understanding is hormones are a little bit more like rampant. It's so interesting though because like when you think about people of that time like in the 60s and 70s I do actually think the kids were more mature because parents were actually like a little bit more relaxed like you didn't have helicopter parents yeah you didn't have like uh, there that is sort of the era of latchkey kids right and like I'm a latchkey kid and I can speak to that like there's just you know you are a little bit more mature than the rest of your friends and like by all means teenies parents aren't really involved in her life from what it looks like they let her sneak up onto the roof while they have parties and so like i i feel like kids of that time were very mature but kids today are much more guarded and i don't know if it's for better or for worse but kids today would not probably not actually TikTok. Yeah, TikTok and Snapchat. <laughs> you don't th- does a 12-year-old know about sex in that capacity? And I mean, let's ignore the fact that like from a biological educational standpoint maybe they probably should by 12, yeah. but do they know about it from a sexual standpoint rather like than an educational I was, standpoint? I was 12, we had this one 
she wasn't even our health teacher. She had to sub. She was the English teacher who had to sub in for our health teacher. Mm. And she gave a piece of advice that at the time I was like kind of mortified by. <laughs> but now as an adult, I'm like, oh, this makes like that is so smart for you yeah. to tell children. Some she was they were asking questions about like she was saying like what do you guys know about sex and somebody raised their hand and they said masturbation and everybody laughed yes and she said honestly i would rather you all know about masturbation and masturbate than these other things uh, and at the yeah. time i was just like what, <laughs> like, what are... <laughs> that clutch but... <laughs> her pearls so tight <laughs> but now when i think about it i'm like oh that's actually such like yeah. smart advice to give young yeah. people yeah but i I well, I mean, I don't know what classrooms are like today and what yeah. kids are like today at school, but I imagine they know what it is. I also think they have parents that are trying to guard them from it, which can result in a lot of rebellion. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be, rebellion. Yeah. And especially because, you know, we are growing up in a time from, like, I've got young kids and I've got friends with kids who are older than my kids, and we constantly talk about, like, how... You're going to use your experience as a as a teenager and as a kid growing up and use it on your, you know, the things that you got away with with your parents, or the mm -hmm. things that your parents didn't know about. But the fact of the matter is, kids just know how to get away with things. They know how it's to push true. the limits. They know how to do things. And they're always going to find a way to rebel. So as a kid who got away with things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is very true. There's always ways around it. I think it could be made today, though, and I think. I think that you could have a 12-year-old saying that. 12 is grade 7. 12 is grade 6. Oh, it is. Yeah. No. No, no, no. 12 is grade 7. I think 12 to 11 13. is grade 6. I was 12. I was 11 and I'm a summer baby. Interesting. <laughs> I was always the right age before the school Still. Year. 12 is still, yeah. it's, you know, 12 teen. It's right before becoming an actual teenager. Yeah. It's probably before... I'd say maybe 50% of these kids have actually had puberty. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's also interesting like that you point that out. And I think about Thora Birch and like Christina Ricci and how they were kind of like, they weren't as bad as some of the other girls of that time, but they were hypersexualized at a really young age. Yes, and that's the thing. And I get that the audience for this movie is women and especially young yeah. girls. It's not yeah. meant to be. When Thora Birch, again, is filling her shirt with, like, fake boobs and talking about, like, you, you should use jello. You should use pudding, not, you know, this, like, how to get I just yourself. want to say, she's filling her, she fills balloons with pudding. Yeah. And then she puts the pudding balloons in her bra, which I think is just hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's something that a young girl would do. But again, it's towing a line, I think. And here's my thing. Was it towing a line in 95? It's towing a line now. When I watch it now, I'm just like, oh, this is a little strange. But I'm like, is that just because I'm conditioned to think it's strange? And was it strange know. in 95 when it came out? You got to ask somebody who was like of a certain age well, when did in you 95. Watch this? Um, probably like 97, 98. Okay. Because 95, I was four. I wasn't watching this at four years old. You should not be yeah. watching this at four years old. No. So I definitely was like later 90s and the early 2000s. And then this was always on TBS. <laughs> it was on a lot. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So like it would just be on in the background for TBS because it's a really nostalgic movie to watch. But I find really interesting. They don't really talk about menstruation that much. 
No, which you that is like the right time. Right. To and that's talk a time it. when that's and when you I'm get it. Not saying that this should have been like an educational movie and they should talk about all the things. I just found that like in a movie that was completely plotless and was just mm-hmm. filled with some of these scenes of interest, why not have a scene where they're talking about menstruation? But I think maybe the implication is that now that they've reached this certain age, they've they are menstruating. It. And so that's why they're talking about sex because that is the correlation to menstruation. I can't say the word. Thank you. <laughs> that's the correlation to getting your period is that if you have sex, you can get pregnant. Maybe. I don't know. To be quite honest, I just feel like she didn't know what she was doing. Like, I don't think she had, like... Probably thought, not. Yeah. Like, she didn't really <laughs> have thoughts. It, it wasn't... There's no cohesion here. No. So. And the other thing, though, is, like, no cohesion. No, and I said before, there's, like, no stakes involved. It's At just, all. like, an old story. And there's one thing that I was reading up about is that they had an, originally wanted the Rosie O'Donnell character to be a lesbian. I was going to just bring that up. Yeah. And I think that that would have been just such a, like, that would have at least brought something yeah. <laughs> to the movie. Especially because Christine, the Roberta character is the one who, like, we see her kissing a boy on screen. Yeah. Like, she's the one that actually has, like, kind of a relationship. And I think that would have been so much more of an interesting thing to explore of, like, okay, Roberta was, like, interested in Squat Warmer, but now she is a lesbian. Like, how did that happen? Or if they could at least shown that she was, like, interested in women as a at a younger age because i'm arlene king herself is a lesbian but what i find very but but i think what would have been interesting was to show how she experimented with boys when she was that age and then maybe because of her surroundings or whatever expectation then grew up to be a lesbian yeah because we're meant to believe that her like her tomboyness is as a result of not having a mother and growing up in a household of men but it could have been because she was just a little bit more butch it is interesting. Well, like, that is Rosie O'Donnell's life. Her mother died at yeah. a young age. She grew up with brothers, and she is a lesbian. Yeah. Like, and I think that's probably what compelled her to it, and it's sad that it got all cut out. Yeah. In the end, because it was the 90s. When did Ellen come out? Around a few years later, I think. A few years later. Okay. Yeah. Was Rosie out? Out at that point? Then? I don't think so. This is the time, I think, when things like this are starting to come out, but they're not out yet. Mm, like people know but like they don't know i think they're a little bit more accepting of homosexuality by this point but they're not necessarily we're not advertising it they're not accepting because ellen came out and then they canceled her show no i think but i think even at this point they're more accepting than they were even like the fact is ellen was able to come out on tv at this point yeah and they canceled the show not because she came out but because ratings took a nosedive because because she came out out, yes (laughs) but there's a distinction there yeah. Because they did still allow that to happen. That's fair. There's just, I feel like it was a movie that there's so much potential for. So much potential. Really, yeah. really a lot of potential here that's just fluttered away. Yeah. It feels very, very wasted. The talent, mm-hmm. the acting talent, the writing talent, well, there is no writing talent, but the acting talent specifically. I actually think, though, if it was just the then. Like, just a movie of the then. Yeah. That could like be a lot more by interesting. Yeah, yeah. The now kind of pulls away from the then. I, I honestly yeah. feel like the now is then to fulfill the title. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really She just, should have had a better title. She just should have picked a different title and just made it about 12, you know, four 12-year-old girls growing up in the 70s. 
she should have called it Shelby. Shelby, Indiana. Yeah. Or like Stand yeah. By You or like something that was like. Because there's a lot that's explored there. They talk about yeah. sex. They talk about boys. They talk about. I also think it's really naked. disappointing that this movie that could have been to girls what Stand By Me is to adolescent boys. Yeah. It doesn't. Stand By Me is a good film. Mm-hmm. It's a well-written film with a clear cut. There's stakes. There's a story. There's like, there's an adventure there. There's just nothing here. Mm. Should we write to I, Marlene King? No, because she wrote Pretty Little Liar. So clearly she doesn't care. She has money. She has money. She's got that A money. She, she put me on a wild ride. <laughs> Have you ever watched an episode of Pretty Little no, Liars? I don't think so. I don't think you will. No, but. I won't. I do have a question for you. Yes. You did say that this does have elements that are really important for girls to see on screen. And like, it's very rare to see. Would this be something you would let your daughter watch? Yeah, I would. I would, especially because I think I would want her to be around the same age, like 11, 12 kind of thing. I don't think much younger than that. But I think there's something to be gleaned about seeing your experience on screen and especially mm-hmm. because as South Asian people and we're like Muslim people, a lot of these things are not talked about. They're very repressed. We don't have open dialogue about sex and sexuality and menstruation and pregnancy and what those things look like. And here mm-hmm. you have it on screen and very casually, almost endearingly. And I think that's important to see. Yeah. And I would tell her, hey, this is a bad film, but you should watch it still. But I think you shouldn't tell her it's a bad film. No, I wouldn't first. tell her. It's a bad I think film. you should have her watch it and then see if she thinks it's a good movie. Because I think twelve year olds would think it's a good movie. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't. At twelve, you don't have. You don't know what a good movie is supposed to be. You think you know, but you've got no idea. Because I definitely thought this was like a great movie at twelve. Yeah, but that's probably because you connected to it. It's true. It's uh, yeah. Which, there is a lot of. Which of the girls are you? I actually okay. Oh. I think, and I don't like it, but I do think I might be a Chrissy. Really? <laughs> Som- sometimes I'm a Chrissy, and then sometimes I'm a teeny. I don't feel like I'm a Roberta or a Sam. Interesting. What did you think I, I am? you were a little bit more Roberta. Really? Yeah. I thought you might have had paral- seen parallels with Roberta. Yes. Yeah. Right? But I never felt like a tomboy. I never, like, tried to tape my boob to town or anything. I mean, they were an issue, but I I didn't, like, avoid it the way that Roberta does. And I didn't become a doctor. Um. (laughs) But I'm more talking about the then, because now we're just going to scratch now. As a kid, I see myself as a mix of Teeny and Chrissy. Like Teeny was obsessed with celebrity and like the Hollywood and like wanted to be this like something else. And then Chrissy was also just like guarded by her parents and like kind of clueless about the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I can see Which Which girl do you think you are? (laughs) I I told you. Because you are a Sam. You know you're a Sam. (laughs) You are Sam. I am am not the target (laughs) audience for this film. Like by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, you could choose which Sex in the City character you are. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I guess you I'm a Sam. You could choose. You are a Sam. Yeah. There's no doubt that. about she ends it. She being a writer, so I mean, like... Being a writer, existential. Very existential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sarcastic. Then I end up being Demi Moore, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, there you go. She... Yep. There you go. Oh. Do you have sequel or prequel ideas? I would love to see the now. <laughs> <laughs> like, the real now. 
the real now. Yeah. Not so much sequel prequel ideas, but more of like what I would have liked this movie to have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. Now that I've watched it as an adult, like I a think. Remake. Yeah, if you were remaking, I'm Arlene King, if you're thinking about remaking this, I think you should just focus on the then yeah. as opposed to the now. Um, and like up the stakes a little bit, like Roberta almost died. Sam almost died. Like have one of them die. Yeah. Like, I think that that like, creates a really more interesting story or even the mystery about Dear Johnny. Like only one girl gets to to the resolve of it. And then tells the rest of them, like, years later. Yeah. Like, it would have been more cool to have, like, an actual compelling mystery. However, I know I am I am Arlene King cannot write a mystery because I've watched <laughs> The Little Liars. So yeah. that's, that's bad. That's but, that. yeah. Yeah. I get it. Do you have any? Yeah. I you think... You don't love Melanie Griffith in the... I don't think Melanie Griffith is a great actress in general. She's just there. Yeah, she's, she's really working just girl. She's working girl we, and that's it. She, no, and we need to thank her for Dakota. We well, wouldn't have Dakota need, without I don't her. Know if we need to thank her for Dakota. Yes, but... we do, Nadine. Yeah. Dakota is getting up there. You liked her in The Lost Daughter. I liked her in The Lost Daughter. Yeah. But that might have been because of the proximity to uh, Olivia. You liked her in The Lost Daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to give me a rating? Yes. So, 12 year old Mita. 12 year old Mita would give this like five out of five, like without okay. a doubt. This was the movie. If it was ever on TV or if we went to Video Flix and it was available, I would rent it because it has everything. Um, <laughs> it has now and then. And then. Yeah. And I think at the time, it really was, I don't even think it was the, what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. I was very fascinated by celebrity and was really like enamored by the idea of like these four Hollywood actresses then being casted into younger roles. And like, what would it be like to be the younger characters and kind of like seeing those aspects? I what like, I can't remember myself at that time thinking like, Oh, like Indiana in the 70s. That would be super cool. Yeah. I do remember loving the music, though. The music yeah. in this movie is like top tier. There's yeah. some good nostalgic hits. And I do remember Brendan Fraser. Yes. <laughs> At a young age. Has never looked better. Like, he looks so good in this. Yeah. George of the Jungle, I think, is like top tier. Oh, yeah. Brendan Fraser and maybe the first mummy. Yeah. But yeah, Brendan Fraser looks really good in this. And I do remember like having a crush on him when I was younger. Watching it this time, I actually do find the then very compelling and interesting. I think it's a snapshot in a time that we don't often get to see, especially from the perspectives of young females who are going through their bodies changing, their hormones changing, their family lives changing. Like I think the whole Sam storyline of having to deal with her parents getting a divorce and like no other kid in her neighborhood has none of her friends have any parents that have gotten yeah. divorced. Like, I think that that is really interesting. I just feel like the writing in this does not take it to the level that it needs to be at. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, it would just be a much more compelling film if it had the then and not the now. And I think a lot more could have been explored and a lot more could have been added to it to actually make it like an actual um, well-written film. Yeah. I still do find it entertaining, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I would pop this on randomly, like, while I'm cooking dinner. Because it's just, like, it's like Stepmom to me. Ew. You know? (laughs) Stepmom is a movie that you watch when you want to have a good cry. I hate Stepmom. I know you hate it. 
but it's it's there and it serves its purpose at that time and place and like you can hold on to those memories and feelings like I did like feel like a little kid again watching this not in the same light as like heavyweights in which I was just like so yeah yeah Yeah. but the idea of like watching this with my sister and my mom this was a movie that like we could watch as a family right like that there, there are few and far between movies that you could do that with and so like there's just a nice element of like family fun entertainment which is so interesting because i also picked spy kids i think i just want to watch movies with my family (laughs) yeah i don't know but anyways back to my review um (laughs) i i i definitely agree with you that this is not a well-written film i actually do think it's it's not directed terribly there's some elements in the now that could definitely use some work and i think there wasn't much given in the actual script for them to be able to do more yeah. but i i i don't know i'm torn because like i don't think it's good but i also but i also I think it's good it. <laughs> i have a soft spot for it so i'm gonna land on a two okay yeah that's fair. i feel like a two out of five is a solid rating for this yeah yeah okay it's a good rating here you go your turn I don't have actually anything much else to say. I think you covered quite a bit of it, especially because mm-hmm. that's exactly how I feel. I don't think it's very well written. I think it's directed fine given the content that's there. Mm-hmm. I think this really should have been completely restructured and rewritten, focused on the 70s instead of having this now portion that is ends up being completely irrelevant. There are elements about this that really do work, and it's unfortunate that we don't see more of them. That said, I do think this is an important film for young adolescent girls to see and, you know, appreciate and acknowledge and feel heard and feel seen. I wish this was as good as something as Stand By Me because that's a classic and this is not. Mm. And maybe My Girl is our only version of that. And that's okay because My Girl is great, but this could have been a little bit better. I also recognize I am not the target audience for this. Like, not even, kind of. I am just not nowhere near the target for this. And that's okay as well. Because not everything needs to be made for me. Not everything needs to be made for you. And this is just not for me. Hmm. But I still am able to recognize its pros and its strengths and what it stands for. So, despite not liking it, and despite thinking it's poorly made for its relevance and its importance to what I think it could stand for for young women, I also will be giving it two stars. Two twos. Two twos. Two two. Two twos. Two two. Two two. I was thinking of like what are modern day coming of age stories for women, but they're all girls in high school. Like I can't think of anything. Yeah. Like I thought of mean girls like that in a way. Yeah. It's totally coming coming of of age. age. Book smart. High school. Yeah, easy A, yeah. High school. But yeah. And all three of those are excellent films. Like, yeah. very, very good films. But again, not younger. Not younger. And it's a really interesting time. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. I'll tell you my period story one day. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> super, I think I have. super excited to hear that. <laughs> it's an interesting story. So, before Mita gets to her period story, I think it's time to play Different Characters. Same world. 
Okay, Mitha, this is the last <laughs> oh. bonus episode before we get into two years <laughs> of best. Should we remind minutes. our listeners what season three is? Maybe at the end end of our next episode. Okay. I think we'll do it. Then. We'll do it then. Yeah. We'll have a nice little chat with them about what we okay. have in store. Yep. But for our final bonus episode, bonus episode five, mm-hmm. I have picked a Bollywood movie, Mitha. Oh. Understandably so. And uh, you're going to get it. Okay. You're going to get it. Okay. Okay. I'm giving you three names. Okay. You're going to get this. Okay. Roma Mathur. Okay. Kabir Bansal. Okay. And Semat Khan. Okay. 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 And your timer starts now. Two states. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even listen to the names. I know. (laughs) That's two states. I'm watching two states. You're finally watching two states. (laughs) Wow. What a time to be alive. But I wanted to end off with something a little light. Okay. As we we move into, because the one after that is wings. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what wings is. It's a romantic triangle. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe we will like that then. <laughs> yeah. In black and white okay. from the twenties. Two states it is. Two states it is. You can watch it How on Netflix. That? I actually just watched it like a month ago, but I'll watch it again. There you go. I enjoy two states. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts on two states. I'm looking forward to watching it. I don't have anything else to say for this episode. Well nope. I guess it's time for me to say a little something. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Nadim. Mm-hmm. Breast is not a dirty word. Alright. Yeah. I agree with that. There boobies? Titties? I wouldn't say they're dirty. They're just like, why? Just say boobs. boobs. Or say breasts. breasts. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, friend. Please <laughs> like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for our final bonus episode, Two States. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have a lovely week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. Ooh.